happy girl. Hello, friends, and welcome back to another podcast of Women at the Well Ministries, where we believe that all of us have to come to Jesus like the woman at the well in John chapter 4. Our highest priority is making God real in your life. Whether you are listening in our app, in your favorite podcasting app, or on our website at watwm.org, we invite you to sit down with us as we look to the scriptures to learn more about God and to strengthen your daily walk with Jesus Christ. It's a fundamental practice that all accomplished tennis players know. If you want to stay sharp and play your best, you periodically go back to the basics and remember how to hit a forehand, a backhand, a volley, and a serve. We even discussed the purpose of the game, your strategy for winning, and the importance of preparation. If it is that important in a game, then how much more important is it for our Christian walk? Join us in this podcast of Women at the Well Ministries as Kim takes us on a journey through the scriptures, stopping along the way to remember who Jesus is. Thank you for joining us in this podcast of Women at the Well Ministries. We're talking about something that is amazing today. We're talking about who Jesus is. And for most of us listening to this podcast, we have a relationship with Jesus. We no doubt have a personal relationship with Jesus because we serve a personal God. He is big enough to be present in everyone's life at every moment, yet he is present in each individual life every moment. He's a great big God who lives inside of us and who takes time to be with us and to even know the number of hairs on our head. God is personal. But you know, we get so busy serving God that we forget the God we serve. So often we start doing and doing and doing and doing, and we may even habitually speak about Jesus. But we forget deep in our hearts and our souls and in the forefronts of our mind who he really is. And so today we're going to take a moment in time and we're just going to hit the highlights of who Jesus is. We're going to give ourselves a moment of pause to remember why we love him so much, to be able to understand and remember the greatness of God. You see, Anyone who's played much competitive tennis in their life knows that you practice a lot. That's what makes you great. It's pretty much true with any sport or any skill level that you are trying to gain mastery over. You practice a lot. And you would think that after playing 12, 14, 15 years of tennis, that you wouldn't have to go back to the basics. You wouldn't have to say, keep your eye on the ball, keep your head still, take your racket back, follow through, transfer your weight from your back to the front. You'd think you wouldn't go through times where you spend hours just hitting one particular shot that you've hit literally thousands and thousands of times before. But the true greats of that sport do that. 
And every so often, their coaches take them back. And instead of hitting beautiful topspin shots and talking about drop volleys and swinging volleys and kick serves, they put them on the court and they talk about balance, turning sideways, keeping your eyes on the ball, following through. And they simply deconstruct a masterful stroke and go section by section by section. And they do this in order to make sure nothing that doesn't belong creeps in to their swing. And that's vital to their performance. It's critical to their success. How much more critical is it for a Christian to stop for a moment and remember who they serve? To stop for a moment and let the awe-inspiring acts of Jesus Christ boggle their mind and fill their imagination. That's what we're going to do today. We're going to talk about the life of Christ. We know that he came. In Luke 2.11, he says, For unto you was born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. We know that he walked among men, and we're excited about that because he didn't just walk among us, but that's cool because walking among us meant he understood how we lived. He understood the things that were important to us. But what he did was he went about doing good. In Acts chapter 10 and verse 38, it says this, he how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. So we know that Jesus possessed God within his very being. And what did he do? He went about doing good. We know that he healed the sick. There are many accounts through scriptures of that, but just to name one or two would be Peter's mother-in-law in Matthew chapter 8 and verse 15. And the all-familiar story to most of us who have been Christians for any length of time that is found in Matthew 9, 20 through 22. And it's the woman with the issue of blood. Seven years she had sought help. Seven years she had tried to no avail to be healed. But when she touches the hem of Jesus' garment, Everything changes. In Matthew chapter 9, verses 20 through 22, it reads this, And behold, a woman which was diseased with an issue of blood twelve years came behind him and touched the hem of his garment. For she said within herself, If I may but touch his garment, I shall behold. But Jesus turned to him about, and when he saw her, he said, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. And the woman was made whole from that hour. And so as we begin to look what we just read at, what we see is that the woman had faith in Jesus. And her faith made her whole. It wasn't misplaced. It wasn't useless. But instead, something that no one else could do. Something that seven years of effort had not accomplished was fulfilled when she touched the hem of his garment. Faith in Jesus works wondrous miracles. 
Because Jesus never fails. And Jesus will always prevail. And when Jesus is on the scene, everything changes. So as he walked among men, he was doing good acts, and these were a couple of those. He was healing the sick. He healed the blind. In Mark chapter 8, verses 22 through 25, we read the story of Jesus healing the blind man. And it goes like this. And he cometh to Bethsaida, and they bring a blind man unto him, and besought him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand, and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes, and put his hands upon him, he asked him if he saw aught. And he looked and said, I see men as trees walking. After that, he put his hands again upon his eyes, and he made him look up. And he was restored, and saw every man clearly. It's an interesting thing that when we are touched by Jesus, we are changed. Old things are passed away and all things are become new. And in doing so, we see things clearly. We see things in the way that the Lord would intend us to see them. We live life in the way that we were meant to live it. We have the opportunity to live the abundant life that Jesus has promised every believer. Jesus is one of those people who changes everything. Because Jesus isn't just an ordinary person. Jesus walked among us like we walk, but he was God and man. He was tempted like as we are, yet he never sinned. When Jesus was around, everything changed. And that is not any different today. Whenever we are in the presence of Jesus, whenever we are walking in the ways of Jesus, whenever we are heeding the commandments of Jesus, we are living a life that is transformed. And the things of this world grow strangely dim as we keep our focus on Jesus. Jesus is worthy of our praise. He's worthy of our obedience. And he's worthy of our love and devotion. He provided for the needy. We see that in Matthew 15, 32 through 38. Jesus fed the multitude. He was tired. He had been working all day. But he saw that the multitude needed something. They needed food. They needed sustenance. They needed help. And Jesus took a few fish and a few loaves, and he blessed them and fed over 5,000 people. And then he went through and he picked up all the fragments. He had the disciples to pick it up because he was showing us that everybody matters. There's nobody that's disposable or discardable. He showed us that he's compassionate and loving. He's self-sacrificing. When you think about the self-sacrificing acts of Jesus Christ, you can't help but think of his crucifixion, the greatest outpouring of love ever known or ever will be known. Jesus came with a mission And it was to seek and to save those which were lost. And it came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. And he does that through salvation's plan. Let's look in our Bibles, if you would, to Acts chapter 16, beginning in verse 30. It reads as this. 
and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. When you are in the presence of Jesus, when you give your life to Jesus and you allow him to transform you and to change you and to wash away your sins, you are so different that the people around you notice it. Your want-tos change. Your attitude change. The way you walk, the way you talk, it changes. You now are heavenly focused. You now are living for Jesus and following after him and allowing him to cleanse you and to make you holy. And so people around, they want what you have because they see the joy and the grace and the mercy and the love in which you're living. And that's how others around you are saved. Because what you have, they can have too if they just repent of their sins. If they acknowledge that they are a sinner, and Romans 3.23 says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every one of us must come to Jesus as the woman at the well did. Understanding that we are in need of a Savior. That we come into this world in need of a Savior. That none of us are perfect, but that Jesus makes us perfect. In Romans chapter 3 and verse 10, he says this, As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. And so once we determine where we are in this world and that we are hopeless and helpless without Jesus, then we begin to see who Jesus really is. We looked at what he did. We looked that he left heaven's splendor and all of his glory and came to earth and dwelled among us as a man. He gave up his deity, but he was so confident in who he was, he didn't worry about losing his deity. But he came formed and fashioned like a man, but he was still God. And we see in Romans 10, 13, that if we simply believe on the Lord, we believe who he is, and we call upon him, we'll be saved. He says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And then finally, salvation is brought to us. We acknowledge we are a sinner. We believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then we confess that he is Lord. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. In your hearing, we just looked at who God was. We saw the ABCs of salvation, acknowledging you're a sinner, believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, and confessing him as Lord. We can do this because of his love for us. In John chapter 15 and verse 13, we see how much he loved us. You see, we've talked about him dying on the cross of Calvary. We understood that he gave himself for us. So he is a loving God who sacrificially gives himself to everyone who believes. He gives salvation to every person who is willing to acknowledge that they are a sinner in need of a Savior. 
Jesus is no respecter of persons, and whosoever calls upon him shall be saved. But when we look at John chapter 15 and verse 13, we read these words. Greater love hath no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. Jesus voluntarily laid his life down on the cross of Calvary and shed his precious, sinless, perfect blood for each and every one of us that we might be made whole and that we may claim hold to a home not made with hands, eternal into the heavens that we know as heaven itself. If we look at who Jesus is, those of us who know him as Savior, who have received his free gift of salvation that we're told about in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 that we've spoken about for the last few moments that says, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. This man, Jesus, that we are following, that we are serving, that we love, gave us a free gift that cost him his life. See, the grave couldn't hold him. Death couldn't keep him. And the devil couldn't scare him. Because on that third and glorious day, Jesus rose from the grave. And he has victory over hell, death, and the grave. And he freely gives that to us. Because all of us who have claimed the name of Jesus and received him as Savior... We'll never die. We'll just say goodbye world and hello God. Our souls will live forever in eternity with Jesus. Those of us who haven't received him as Savior will live eternity in hell. You're going to spend eternity. The question is whether it's in heaven or whether it's in hell. We love Jesus because he first loved us. And he gave us the greatest gift, the gift of salvation. We love him because we know how he lived here on earth. He went about doing good. He healed the sick. He provided for people. He turned water into wine when they needed something else at the wedding. He blessed a few fish and a few loaves. And fed thousands. But let's look at some other verses that tell us who he is. In Acts chapter 10 and verse 38, he says, How God, Jesus of Nazareth, with the Holy Ghost and with power, he was anointed by God with the Holy Ghost and with power. And he went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. We've talked about that verse. But Jesus was anointed by God with the Holy Spirit. And we have the Holy Spirit inside of us who gives us the power of God and his Son. We understand that the purpose that he came was so that we would have life and have it more abundantly. And that he came to seek and to save those which were lost. Which is all of us, as we read about in Romans 3.23. And 2 Corinthians 5.21, 
gives us a moment to pause because it says, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him through the blood of Jesus Christ and the acceptance of Jesus as Savior. God accepts us as his own. Isaiah 53, 5 says, But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Our sin debt is forever paid. Sin cannot destroy us because sin no more has dominion over us. We can come to him for healing, spiritually, emotionally, and physically healing. Jesus is our healer, and he took our punishment upon himself that we might go free. In 1 Peter 3.18, he talks about this. He says, For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. This is the God we serve who took our sins upon himself that we might go free. And here's what he did for us in 1 John 3, 16. Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us. And why should that matter? Because it's how we go free. It's how sin no longer has dominion over us. And because he did that for us, we should also lay down our lives for the brethren. Who is Jesus? John tells us in John 1.29 that he is the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. 1 John 4.10 tells us what love is. And perhaps this is a better summary of why we serve him. Because it says hearing is love, not that we loved God. There's nothing special about that. How could you not? But that he loved us. And that he sent his son, Jesus, to be a propitiation for our sins. And when we were yet without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. As we go back to the fundamentals of why we serve Jesus, there's enough said in that verse, in Romans 5, 6. Because when we couldn't do anything for ourselves, when we owed a sin debt we couldn't pay, God sent his son Jesus to pay a debt he didn't know for an undeserving, unworthy person like me. Christ died so that I might go free. We speak the words of Jesus because they spoke life into us. We serve Jesus because he's the greatest gift we've ever been given. And his love is unconditional. 
It's unending, and it is more than enough. But we all know somebody who hasn't received that free gift of salvation, who hasn't allowed him to transform their lives from a sinful, wicked person into a new creation in Christ Jesus. who hasn't allowed him to wash their sins away because they simply have not placed their faith in Jesus Christ. They may have placed it in their work. They may have placed it in their intelligence. They may have placed it in their family wealth. They may have placed it in their family position, their social position, and who they know and what they know and where they've been and where they're going. But none of that will get them to heaven And perhaps that's why you serve. Because you don't want anybody you know and love to go to hell. You want all to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And the God we serve tells us that they wish that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But there's only one way, folks. In John chapter 14 and verse 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. In Acts 4.12, he refutes what anybody else may think when they think they can get to heaven on their own works and on their own merit. Because he says in Acts 4.12, neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. As we've walked back through the scriptures, as we've paused at the basics to once again affirm the foundation of who Christ is in us, why we love him and why we adore him, I'm reminded of Nicodemus who said, how is it that a man can be born twice. And Jesus painstakingly says, Marvel not that I say unto you, ye must be born again. We must be born of the Spirit. Everybody comes to Jesus the same way. Just like the woman at the well who came with an empty vessel that he filled that she would thirst no more. We too come to Jesus, vile, flawed, imperfect, and his cleansing, precious, sinless blood washes over the believer who asks for forgiveness for the sins they cannot pay and receives his free gift of eternal life in heaven by the salvation he gives to us when he bestows upon us the honor of being called part of the family of God. And then we confess that he is Lord.
We serve him today because Jesus is Lord. Remember, you are loved. Jesus loves you. Thank you for joining us in today's podcast. You can visit the show notes for quotes from today's podcast and scripture references. We pray today has been a blessing, and we encourage you to reach out to us through our app, our website, or our Facebook page. You can find our app by searching for Woman at the Well Ministries in your app store or through our website at watwm.org. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash watwm. If you visit our website, you'll be able to subscribe to Bible Bits, a daily devotion written by Kim and delivered Monday through Friday by text message. Woman of the Well Ministries is a nonprofit organization dedicated to serving our Heavenly Father, and it is through your loving and generous support that our ministry continues to bless others. To learn how to partner with Woman at the Well Ministries, please visit our website. Thank you to the Gospel Group Fudge Creek for letting us use their hit song, Happy Girl. We greatly appreciate your prayers. We are praying daily for our listeners. Remember that God loves you. You are loved.